You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. And then the Lord said to Moses, go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites won't listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips, here he goes again. Verse 13, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Stop your excuses, Moses. Stop your, stop all of it. Just go, go, go. Today, Pastor Danny will share the account of Moses and his time being used by the Lord to free the Israelites. Moses was raised as an Egyptian and was cast out. God used Moses to save his people, the Israelites. But what does Moses say? He says, send someone else. I'm not cut out for this. And God assures him that he'll provide all that Moses needs. Sometimes we can be like that. God tells us to go and we say, but I can't. And God says, that's true, but that's why you have me. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter six, as he begins his message, Deliverance from Egypt. Moses has been humbled by the Lord. You really know how proud he was by how long it took. Forty years. Forty years on the backside of the desert. And now he is the most humble man on the face of the earth. He has reluctantly made the decision to now follow God's call, which was on his life 40 years before. Uh, He just blew it. Because he, um, well, he acted on his own. He acted independently. Uh, He acted proudly. He was a man powerful in speech and in action. And that was his problem. That was his problem. And now humbled, uh, he gives God the five excuses when God calls him there in the burning bush out on the backside of the desert. And remember the fifth one, Lord, please send somebody else. But God wants him. And so he reluctantly goes, and we pick it up at the end of chapter 4, verse 29. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard uh, that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped. So get this now. Uh, He does the miraculous signs that God had shown him, and God my power is going to be with you. He does those before the people, uh, tells them what God had said. They believe. They not only believe, they bow down and worship before the Lord. I mean, you talk about uh, thanks. I mean, they are so thankful. They're, they're, getting, they're getting out of bondage. They're headed out of Egypt, and they've been there a long time. But then you get to chapter 5. 
Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. And then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you're stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and foremen in charge of the people. You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Hey, they were already cruel to them. This is, this is really bad. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Now listen, the people didn't see this coming. They see the miraculous signs Moses performs. They hear what God had said to Moses, uh, we're getting out of here. Deliverance is coming. They didn't see this, though. They didn't expect, at least initially, things to get worse for them. Then the slave drivers and the foreman went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go get your own straw. But your work will not be reduced at all. Verse 15, the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, and yet we're told make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. And Pharaoh said, lazy, lazy. That's what you are, lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get back to work. You will not be given any straw. You must produce your full quota of bricks. Verse 19, the Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you're not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. And when they left Pharaoh, <laughs> of course, when they left Pharaoh, what did they do? They found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You've made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials have put a sword in their hand to kill us. If you've ever done any kind of Christian counseling, I think about lots of times I've done counseling and the few times when people actually do what the Lord says, come on, I don't know how, evidently you haven't done much counseling. When they really do what the Lord says, sometimes it gets tougher for them. But here, even Moses, look what Moses does. Moses, verse 22, returned to the Lord and said, oh Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses is a little miffed at God. What is going on here, Lord? And then you get to chapter 6. Now, the Lord said to Moses, now look at what he says. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. 
God Almighty, El Shaddai. God's got a lot of names. But by my name, the Lord, and the best I can gather from the scholars I've read is that's how God spoke to Moses when Moses said, who shall I say if they ask me who sent me? You tell them, I am. I am. So it's a fresh revelation of the Lord, the I am God. And you fill in the blank. I am whatever you need. I am whatever I've promised. I did not make myself known to them by that name. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I've remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I'm the Lord, and I will. Eight times in this little section, he says, I will. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you as my own people. Verse 8, I'll bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession. I'm the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, and they said, well, that's good news. Now we're back to where we were. Bring your Bibles, really. Come on, bring your Bibles. Look at them because that's not what it says. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. And then the Lord said to Moses, go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites won't listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. Here he goes again. Verse 13, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Stop your excuses, Moses. Stop, your, stop all of it. Just go, go, go. And then we'll skip the family record. Chapter 6, jump down, verse 28. Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I'm the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Chapter 7, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You're to say everything I command you. Your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, stop there a minute. Some people, they read this, they say, how can God be a, a fair God if he's going to harden somebody's heart? Ten times you'll hear that. I'm not going to read all the verses in the story, but ten times it refers to Pharaoh's hardening of heart. Five times it says he hardened his own heart. Five times it says the Lord hardened his heart. Okay, you didn't get it. Put a marker there. Go to Romans, Romans chapter 1. Just going to take a minute. You need to see this. Romans chapter 1. I'll get there in a minute. My grandpa, I'm doing everything slower now. It's amazing. I don't even know where this is in my notes, but I know the passage. Beginning in verse 21, it says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over. You continue on, and it says in verse 26, because of this, God gave them over. You get to verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. Here's the deal. 
If we're determined to harden our hearts against the Lord, He will eventually grant us what we want. And He'll give us a hard heart. And it's that sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God doesn't want our hearts to be hard, but if we choose to harden our hearts in time, and only God knows how much time, He'll say, okay, that's what you want. I'll give you over to what you want. That's what happens to Pharaoh. Chapter 7, Exodus. God says, I'll multiply my wonders in Egypt. And then verse 5 is what you really want to see. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. God says, I'm going to do things and wonders that nobody's going to have a doubt that I am who I say I am. Egypt in the Bible is a type of the world. And it's absolutely biblical to suggest that Egypt here and the people of Egypt represent the people of the world. And God wants himself to be known as the only God because he is the only God to the world. You can't miss verse 7. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Never too late to follow the call of God. Verse 8, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh, and it'll become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. That's fascinating to me. They did the same thing. First Thessalonians, or Second Thessalonians, you can just make a note of it. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 I'm just going to read this real quick. Talking about the Antichrist, and when the Antichrist comes, he will be indwelt and powered, empowered by Satan himself, okay? And listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, um, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Uh, it's still, I, I, I don't totally get it, uh, but in the tribulation period, um, the false prophet will call down fire from heaven. Uh, call down fire from heaven. So Satan has power, and he has power to do things that, that seem, well, miraculous. Counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders. And that's what happens here. These Egyptian magicians also did the same things. But I love verse 12. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them. Just as the Lord had said. And as we go through these plagues, these wonders that God does, they are in graduating succession. He doesn't do it all at once. Why? Because he wants Egypt, the people living in Egypt, to be saved. That's why. 
Verse 14, chapter 7, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him. Take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I'll strike the water of the Nile, and it'll be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. And so the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, the ponds, all the reservoirs. They'll turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. And so Aaron does it, and that's exactly what happens. Literally. Miraculously. Uh, it says that the Egyptians began to dig uh, around the Nile because they couldn't drink its water, so they had to dig down and find water to drink. But no, verse 22. Again, fascinating. But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned, went into his palace, did not Take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water. And then you get to chapter 8. A week passes, seven days. And then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go. If you refuse, I'll plague your whole country with, I hate this one, frogs. Frogs. So verse 6, Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. The frogs came up, covered the land. I don't know why they would do it, but the next verse, verse 7, the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. Don't you have enough frogs? Why are you creating more? Or however, they, whatever they did. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And notice what verse 8 says. Isn't this amazing? Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I'll let you go to offer sacrifices. And then Moses leaves. He prays. God takes away the frogs. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Don't raise your hand. Ever know anybody that's gotten some good Christian counseling? And they initially say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And then as soon as things get better, we'll leave that for now. Then verse 16, chapter 8, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of, the, of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. Aaron does this, and out of the dust, gnats. I love verse 18. Chapter 8. But when the Egyptians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. And the gnats were on men and animals. This is the dividing line between the power of Satan and the power of God. Don't you love Genesis 2 7? God formed the first man, He formed him from the dust of the ground, formed him from the dirt. And then it says he breathed into him the breath of life. The only power Satan has is the power of death. Counterfeit miracles, yes. But it says he's the one that holds the power of death. 
God holds the power of life. I said God holds the power of life. And he can, he can out of just deadness, deadness, bring life. And Satan can't do that. And the magicians, verse 19, said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Now his own magicians are saying, this is God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. He would not listen. That's the fourth time. Then verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say the same thing. This is what the Lord says. But if you don't let them go, then I'm going to send swarms of flies. It's flies. But I love verse 22. But on that day, I'll deal differently with the land of Goshen. That's where the Israelites are. And they don't experience any of the plagues. God sends the flies. And then Pharaoh again, verse 28 says, I'll let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord in the desert, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Pray for me. He's a hard heart, but he still wants prayer. I've met a lot of Pharaohs over the years. Moses said, as soon as I leave, I'll pray for you. Tomorrow the flies will leave. Moses prays. The flies leave. Verse 32, but this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. Then you get to chapter 9. I hope you're not getting tired. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't, this time I'm sending a plague on your livestock. And God does that. The last of verse 7, yet his heart, Pharaoh, was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Then he sends a plague of boils. I mean boils. Even the magicians uh, get these boils, and they can't stand before Pharaoh because of all the boils on their bodies. And Pharaoh, of course, had them too. But verse 12 but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. I want you to catch now chapter 9. You've got to see this because it relates to something I said in the beginning. Verse 15, by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. And why doesn't God do that? Because he wants the people in Egypt to be saved. That's why. He said, I could have wiped you off the earth. Then he sends a plague of hail. The middle of verse 24, or verse 24, hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron and says, okay, we've had enough hail, enough storm. Pray, God, take it away. And Moses said, when I've gone out of the city, I'll spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop, hail will stop. But he says to him this time, verse 30, chapter 9, but I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. You still don't fear the Lord. And verse 34, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts, so Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go just as the Lord had said 
through Moses. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of Exodus, Pastor Danny has been helping you see that God continually looks out for His people. When you think about God, do you see Him looking out for your protection and provision simply because He loves you? God persistently cares about the things going on in your life, from the smallest details to the really big deal events. We hope that's an encouragement to you. God's aware of the things going on in your life, and He's looking to bring about resolution to the chaos. Keep trusting Him and keep connecting with Him through the Bible and through prayer. If you want to hear this teaching in Exodus again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Sermons tab. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading plan. You'll find it under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, come join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.